It's time for the Comic Bing Comic Book Podcast. The podcast you look forward to for all of your news and reviews of the best comic books hitting stands. Whether it's DC, Batman, Wonder Woman, Marvel, Spider-Man, Image, Spawn, Saga, Boom, Once and Future, Power Rangers, or whatever book or publisher you follow. We cover them all here. This is the place for you. That's right. It's for everyone. This is the Comic Bin Comic Book Podcast. Let's get it. And hello, folks. Welcome to another episode of the Comic Bin Comic Book Podcast. I am your host, Dio. And this episode, this episode, we got a few things going on. Uh, after news, we're going to do a quick view, and I do mean quick scan, of the three previews catalog for the month of November. And then after that, got three books we're going to review. Uh, first up, the final issue of Infinite Frontier from DC Comics. Then we're going to look at Star Trek Next Generation Mirror War number zero from IDW. And then finally, we're going to look at the third issue of Images Ordinary Gods from Kyle Higgins. Uh, But as always, with each episode, let's begin with the news. And first up, over at Marvel, uh, after a 27-year relationship, Marvel has parted ways with comic book artist Joe Bennett uh, for some pretty reprehensible things. Uh, If you remember, Joe Bennett's been the regular artist on Immortal Hulk, which is coming to an end with this next issue, issue 50. But, um, In the past few months, uh, Joe Bennett uh, has come under fire for uh, some of the artwork that he's produced. Uh, In February's issue 43 of Immortal Hulk, um, Marvel had to correct some of his artwork after what appeared to be some anti-Semitic images appeared on one of the pages and series writer. Al Ewan has pretty much said he wouldn't work with Bennett anymore, uh, considering not just that, but some other things that uh, Bennett has allegedly done uh, with regards to political cartoons and things of that nature. So he was slated to do the art duties on this one shot called Timeless. Uh, but they have removed him from that and they basically said they won't be working with him anymore. So Joe Bennett is no longer uh, under contract as an artist with Marvel Comics. Uh, Also at Marvel, so they have announced some pretty big changes to their Marvel Unlimited app. Uh, If you know, if you don't know, I'm sure most of you do. Marvel Unlimited is their subscription-based digital comic book library uh, that is similar to DC's DC Universe Infinite. But the biggest change that is coming to Marvel Unlimited or that has already come to Marvel Unlimited 
is the introduction of Infinity Comics. And Infinity Comics are a line of books that is going to be exclusive to the Marvel Unlimited app. So it won't be in print form. You'll never be able to get it in a comic shop. So they already have a slate of books that are already out there in Marvel Unlimited if you're a subscriber. Uh, the first one being is Jeff. Jeff being a land shark and uh, there's already a lot of trending going on with Jeff on social media. But also there is Giant Size Little Marvels which is done by Scotty Young and Dax Godine which basically looks at our favorite Marvel heroes in small size. Uh, then a few others, they have a they have a Shang-Chi uh, comic as well as Captain America plus a few others. So again, if you are a if you are a Marvel Unlimited subscriber, take a look at those uh, those new lines of books over on the app. Also at Marvel, uh, Hellions, one of the books that has sprung out of Jonathan Hickman's World of X. Uh, it's coming to an end with issue 18 in December and what we find out in issue 18 is that the Goblin Queen aka Madeline Pryor aka the former Mrs. Scott Summers uh, has returned so we will see how that plays out when that issue is released in December for Marvel and of course I'll I'll be covering that when it's up in the previews catalog over at DC so at DC there's not much news going on I'm, I'm assuming that they are holding out a lot of what they have planned uh, until fandom and of course fandom is next month but Right now, they're really pushing for the event of the month, which is going to be happening uh, this Saturday, the 18th, which is Batman Day. So they are really pushing a lot with regards to Batman Day. So for those of you who are HBO Max subscribers, uh, the Audio Adventure, their podcast that is exclusive to the HBO Max app, is gonna be wide open so you'll be able to listen to all of the episodes of that uh, beginning on the 18th uh, and they have a few other things that they're doing as well with regards to events at your local comic shop with regards to free books uh, but the other thing that is also out there and let me tell you I, I, I was not expecting this until I read it but uh, as I mentioned in the last episode, they partnering with Webtoon Entertainment to produce a line of Webtoons based on the DC Universe. And the first one that they produced was Wayne Family Adventures. And already, at least as of this recording, uh, the first three issues of that Webtoon is out there. And it includes the entire Bat family from Bruce on down to Cass and Damien and Steph and Duke 
and it is absolutely hilarious. I was not expecting to enjoy it myself, but I absolutely am. So if you are not following the Webtoon app, and if you are not reading uh, Wayne Family Adventures from DC and Webtoon, I highly suggest it. It is a great read that I am absolutely enjoying as it looks at the Bat Family from the aspect of Bruce Wayne being a dad. Uh, so take a look at that. Again, it's on the Webtoon app. And just again, the first three episodes are out there. Go and, go and have a ball with it. And so that's all I'm going to cover uh, this episode with regards to the news. So with that, it is time to do a quick run the previews for the month of November. Time for the previews. And so as I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, uh, we're going to do very quick review of the previews for the month. And so as always, starting out with DC Connect from DC Comics and their books being solicited for the month of November. Uh, so pretty much I have the first 15 pages of the catalog all marked to pick up uh, for the month of November and it is jam-packed the entire catalog almost is jam-packed with uh, Batman and the Batman universe uh, line of books not just from single issues but collected editions and whatnot and uh yeah i'm i'm pretty stoked by how heavy the catalog is with batman titles uh this month whether it's uh one dark knight which is that uh, series from jock there's the follow-up issues of robin and batman and then of course we have the regular series with uh Batman as it continues with Fear State as well as Detective Comics and all of the other Bat books that are going to have tie-ins with Fear State and then there are also the one-shots that are coming out as well such as uh, the secret files on the Gardner uh, which is important in the Harley and Ivy universe uh, and as well as a Fair State Omega, which should be the uh, title that's bringing Fair State to a close. But it is, it is heavy on the Batman for the month of November. Uh, now, specifically, I want to mention page 11, which is Robin's number one uh, by Tim Seeley with art by Baldemar Rivas. Uh, which is the winner of DC's Round Robin contest. So we finally get that released. And so uh, they have a, pre -pre a few preview pages uh, in the catalog as well as you want to take a look at that. But yeah, this is, this is a real heavy Batman book uh, this month. And I'm not sure if it's because of it following up from... Uh, Batman Day or what, but there are, there's a ton of stuff out there if you are a Bat fan. Uh, and just to 
finish things out on the back pages, which comes after the uh, the featured stories. Again, there are still some uh, Batman books uh, listed there as well, such as the third issue of Batman vs. Bigsby, A Wolf in Gotham, uh, the final, I think it's the final issue of Batman Reptilian from Scott Ennis. Uh, then of course those non-Batman books that I typically read, which includes uh, the Milestone books, Hardline, uh, Icon and Rocket, as well as Static. So uh, a ton of stuff that I'll be picking up and most of it is going to be Batman-centric. Uh, so that is going to do it for DC Comics for the month of November. Moving on to Marvel, uh, the highlight of Marvel, uh, based on this cover, is Hulk number one from Donny Cates and Ryan Otley. Uh, I'll definitely be picking it up for nothing more than this cover by Ryan Otley. It looks absolutely stunning. But also occurring in the month of November will be Avengers number 50, which is to commemorate the 750th issue of the Avengers title. So that will be coming out in the month of November as well. Um, I'm not sure if I will be picking it up. And it's based on the notion of... I need to see what's going on with how this World War She-Hulk story arc ends. And the only reason is because of the solicit for Fantastic Four number 38. And the cover of that issue, which is absolutely stunning from Terry Dotson, uh, features the thing. But it also features She-Hulk and the rendition of She-Hulk in this in, on this cover is the She-Hulk that we all know and love, not the uh, brute form of She-Hulk that's been done in the pages of Avengers. Since Ed McGinnis had been the series artist, I, I just have not been a fan, and I have always strayed away from Avengers simply because of that. And again, I'm a huge She-Hulk fan, but I just couldn't take uh, how McGinnis was depicting the character. But if if this is to be true, hopefully with the end of this World War She-Hulk uh, arc, we might be getting back the Jennifer Walters we all know and love. But we shall see. Uh, I'm going to go in and pick up uh, the last few issues of that World War She-Hulk arc and see where it goes from there and hopefully hopefully that is what we'll be getting and I'm assuming uh, we'll be getting it since Marvel has already announced that we'll be getting another She-Hulk title uh, in early 2022 as it gears up for the premiere of the TV series on Disney Plus, so hopefully we'll, we're getting our She-Hulk back. 
but going through the rest of the catalog, I already mentioned uh, Hulk number one, but uh, I am also going to pick up the first issue of Hawkeye, Kate Bishop, which is written by Marie Gaden Hitchcap. I hope I'm not murdering that name with art by Enid Balam. Uh, I'm going to pick up that first issue just to get a glimpse at it and see how the story is going and where it's going. Uh, but again, of course, that's coming out with the eventual release of Hawkeye, which is uh, set to air on Disney Plus in December. Other than that, outside of the X books that I typically get, of course, X-Men, Marauders, I'm also going to pick up the issue of Hellions, and I'm doing that simply because it's, as I mentioned, it's going to be coming to an end with issue 18. So I want to get that issue of 17 just to see what it leads up to in issue 18. But also, in the month of November, it's going to be the final issue of Daredevil. Daredevil number 36 from Chip Zdowski and Manuel Garcia. Uh, so we'll get the final, final issue of that to see how things turn out with Matt Murdock uh, as he uh, deals with his time in prison and Electra's role as the protector of Hell's Kitchen and we'll see how things turn out with that but Chip Zdowski's run has been absolutely phenomenal on Daredevil and it, it is unfortunate it's coming to an end but we'll we'll see where it leads to outside of that last two things I want to mention for Marvel before bringing it to a close, the last three things actually. Uh, we are finally going to get issue number one of Black Panther from John Ridley, who's also writing I Am Batman over at DC. Uh, but that was, I think that was delayed a few times, but we're now going to be getting that. And then of course, we'll be at the penultimate issue of Inferno from Jonathan Hickman. Um, but the last thing, there are two early solicits uh, for early 2022, and both of them are omnibuses. The first being Moon Knight, and this, this volume is going to cover uh, the Hurston Benson Hurwitz era of the series. Uh, the cover for this omnibus is going to be done by David Finch. Uh, listed at 125. Uh, it will be released in April of 2022. And so the other omnibus that I'll also definitely be picking up uh, is She-Hulk. And this volume picks up with the Peter David era. And that main cover is going to be by Mike Diodato. Uh, and then there's also a variant which is done by Ed McGinnis, and I'll be staying away from that one. Uh, but that too will be coming out in the month of April of 2022, and it is a $75 omnibus compared to the, the $125 omnibus for Moon Knight. Uh, and that's pretty much due to it having less pages. Uh, the She-Hulk volume is at a little bit over 550 
whereas the Moon Knight volume is over 1,100 pages, so it is a true omnibus. But that is going to do it uh, for Marvel for the month of November. And with that, it's time to move on to the big book, the previous catalog from Diamond Distributors. And as we skim the big book again, I'm going to do real quick, uh, going through the, through the publishers. First up with image, uh, really want to highlight page 50, uh, radiant black number 10. There are actually two versions of this issue that is, that are going to be coming out. Uh, so the original, the regular issue number 10 actually has three variant covers. Uh, but there is also going to be a black light edition of issue 10 as well. And this black light edition will be printed in uh, black light fluorescent ink so that if you have a black light, you can shine over it and it'll light up. But that's going to be a $9.99 book uh, for that particular issue. So I'll definitely picking that up. Uh, also at Image uh, Adventure Man number seven from Matt Fraction uh, and the Dawson's. And then the last thing I'm going to mention from Image, the second issue of the Magic Order from Mark Millar uh, that's coming out in November as well. Moving over to Dark Horse, and so let's let's mark this moment in history down September the 16th day I'm recording, but mark this day down as this is the day that Theo is announcing that he is picking up a title by Brian Michael Bendis. Uh, for those of you who know me very well, I'm not a huge fan of Bendis. Uh, and haven't been since his days at Marvel. But uh, if you can remember a while back, I announced there was the story of Bendis moving his Jinx World imprint over to Dark Horse and releasing some new titles there. Well, he is uh, doing that beginning in the month of November with the release of Joy Operations. Uh, it's a five-part miniseries written by Brian Michael Bendis with art by Stephen Byrne. Uh, so I am actually going to pick that up and see how it is. Uh, if there's one thing that I can give Bendis some credit on is his style when looking at new characters, characters that he created. You know, I was a big fan of his Naomi series at DC that he did with David F. Walker. I don't think he is that good with established characters, but I am going to be picking this up. Joy Operations from Brian Michael Bendis at Dark Horse. Then at IDW, only thing I am picking up over there is the second issue of the Mirror War uh, in the Star Trek series that is on page that is on page 124 
of the catalog. Then moving on over to page 138, next number one, uh, which is a spinoff from Christopher Priest's Sacred Six miniseries. Uh, next number one will be written by Christoph Gage, but it's going to pick up from Sacred Six, looking at that character as she deals with the dual life that she has of being half human and half demon. Then I can't not mention the previews without talking about Boom Studios. So Boom, uh, Boom has two books that I want to highlight. House of Slaughter number two from James Tynion the Fourth, And then of course there is always going to be Once in the Future. This is going to be issue number 22 from Karen Gillen and Dan Moore. Then moving on to my favorite new publisher, uh, AWA Upshot. Uh, the one book I want to highlight other than the ones that I typically get is Knighted Number 1 from Greg Hurwitz, uh, which is a new mini-series looking at life of a man who becomes a superhero uh, by killing one. So a regular guy mistakenly kills a superhero and to keep the to keep the streets safe, he picks up the mantle of that hero to continue protecting the city. So that sounds like that's going to be an interesting tale. But again, I'll be picking that up. And again, that's knighted from AWA Upshot. And then finally, I'm going to flip all the way over. And again, there are some other books that I'll be picking up as well, uh, such as the Doctor Who series, uh, miniseries that's going to be released from Titans, as well as Gun Honeys. Um, but the last one I want to, last book I want to talk about, the last book I want to talk about going all the way over to page 371 uh, with Vault Comics. Fox and Hare, number one, written by John Shway and art by Stacey Lee. Uh, so that is going to be a $3.99 book releasing in November from Vault Comics. So with that, I am going to end it. That is going to be the last book I am going to cover with this month's uh, previews. So, with that in mind, let's talk about some comics. Okay, first up, Ordinary Gods, number three, written by Kyle Higgins and Joe Clark, with art by Felipe Antanavi. And so, the story begins with the Lord Regret being visited by the Lord Worry. And they are discussing the fact that Brianna, the steward Brianna, has failed in uh, keeping the Luminary, a.k.a. Christopher, uh, from awakening. And once he was awakened, from killing them so that the Luminary could be reincarnated. So, as they decide to send a team in to try to find the other two rebels who uh, 
rebelled against the one king. Uh, they also decided that they need to tie up some loose ends by uh, disposing of Brianna. And so to do that, they send in word to the warden. And the warden is basically that, the warden of the prison of Earth. And the warden uh, lives on Earth in the body of a boxer, world champion, famous boxer. And so they decide to send him in to take care of Brianna for failing to keep things in check with the luminary. Uh, so while this is all happening in Paris, uh, Christopher and the gang are on the lookout. They're looking for the trickster. So there's basically an app that they're able to use to identify this particular signal or this sense that uh, the five gives off. Uh, and so they go to Paris because apparently this this app has told them that this is where the trickster is. And so they just need to go find him and or her and wake him up. And so they get there looking for the trickster. And, and as they are traveling the streets, uh, Christopher is continuing to get visions of his past and he realizes that in his many lives he's been some pretty terrible people uh, but he is assured that you know D5 has all done some pretty terrible things in their lives uh, including Sarah uh, we finally get her name because uh, it wasn't mentioned in either of the first two issues so they set out to look for the trickster while this is going on uh, Brianna has been paid a visit by the world champ and who's just so happened to be in Pittsburgh and visits the hospital and he is spending some time with her, and as her family, her aunt and uncle, uh, take leave of the room, leaving those two alone, you know, she basically begs him, hey, I can fix this, let me find the luminary, I will take care of things. But the one basically has his hands tied, he's been ordered to take care of her, and so that they can go on and proceed with doing what they need to do with finding not only Christopher but the rest of the five as well so that they can start their cycles over again. So he proceeds to kill Brianna by zapping her with some type of gun but Brianna fights it and at the last minute she hits the warden with uh, the IV post that her IV bag is hanging on and you know that frees her so that she is able to get away so she jumps out the window uh, attempting to get away she does get away and the warden 
realizes, you know, not only do they have to find Christopher, they're also now going to have to find and take care of Rihanna as well. So back in the other world, and I'm just going to call it the other world, they have uh, created another team to go in with the hopes of uh, resetting things with the five and they go ahead and they resend them or they go and they send them to earth and of course in order for them to do that they have to be born and so these three assassins that they send in to find Christopher at all are born to three women so we will see how how that turns out now the backup story and as I mentioned when I reviewed the first two issues at the end of each issue you get a narrative that kind of gives you some background into something that may have happened in the story or may not have been happened in the story something that may have happened in off panel land and for this issue uh, the backup story seems to focus on Sarah the the old lady the older lady and dealing with her husband so take a look at that as well but they really seem to be picking up the pace now you know now that they have three of the five they've pretty much identified where the fourth member of the five is so we shall see what happens and who the trickster turns out to be man woman or even an animal so we shall see how issue four goes so story-wise i truly like the pacing that higgins and joe claude have done with this issue uh, and I've enjoyed the, I've enjoyed the pacing of the story as a whole. Uh, we we get a good blend of history and learning more about each of the characters, while we're still getting action and the story is continuing to move forward, without being uh, dragged down with a lot of questions. And again, there are definitely questions with the story, uh, but it it it's. It doesn't cause the issue in the overall story to to suffer and I enjoy that and I really enjoy how Higgins and, and Clark at least with this issue is moving the story along uh, it will be interesting to see you know when these three assassins are born and how they are uh, aged up so that they can proceed with their mission of finding the five and setting things right for the one king and his followers because uh, it, it seems like they are in the same sense of Duncan who have always known you know since he was born what he was there to do and it seems like they do as well so that's going to be interesting and what's also going to be interesting is to see how things play out between the warden and Brianna because she is on the tail of Christopher but the warden is on the tail of her uh, because he doesn't want to 
he doesn't want to appear as a failure to his superiors either because I would assume that just as Brianna uh, was seen as a failure and was deemed unworthy and ordered killed he will likely be as well and you know that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out with those two as as she continues to pursue her brother now you know, I'm not going to say too much about the art. I've, I've talked about how I've appreciated the colors and the art from uh, Felipe Watanabe as well as the colors from uh, this time Frank William. So I continue to, to enjoy it. Can't wait to see more of that. Uh, but that again is Ordinary Gods, issue 3 from Kyle Higgins, and Image Comics. Alright, next up, uh, Star Trek The Next Generation, The Mirror War, Issue Zero, written by the Tipton Brothers, Scott and David Tipton, uh, with art by Carlos Nieto. So, I followed the first two volumes of this mega series uh, with the mirror universe with the next generation crew so that first one being uh, mirror broken and the second one being uh, through the mirror I did not follow the third volume which was the series of one shots uh, which was called Terra Incognito which ended with the reveal that Terran Barkley uh, from the Terran universe uh, actually remained in the Prime universe and was, you know, taking steps to try to make it his own. Uh, so the Mirror War picks up from after, or perhaps even uh, while Terra Incognito is going on. And the Terran. Enterprise crew has returned to the Terran universe and uh, they've obviously returned without the Enterprise which they were looking to bring back with them from the Prime Universe. Uh, so they've returned home, they're trying to uh, save face uh, after what they consider to be an abject failure uh, to bring the Prime Enterprise back in order to help the Terran Empire in their war against the Kardashian-Klingon coalition. And so uh, Picard and the crew has been ordered back to Earth to answer for such failures. And he does. He goes and, and he attempts to, again, save face for himself and for the crew. But the Vulcans, uh, who serve as the aides to the Emperor, uh, are not pleased. And they basically order Picard to fix it. Whereas, if not, there will be some serious hell to pay. So, 
while this is going on, Data and um, Data and Jordy, and again I'm speaking of the Terran versions of the characters, have been looking for a way to see what may have happened to Barkley because they realize he is not with them. So they fear he might either be trapped or dead in between the parallel universes. And so while this is going on, um, Chief O'Brien goes and he figures out a way to get this machine working. And as he do so, they realize that yes, Barkley is still alive and he's alive in the Prime Universe looking to take over it for himself. And so the story ends with the Terrans going back to the Prime Universe and uh, taking Barkley Terran Barkley by surprise and bringing him back to the Terran universe to answer for his uh, traitorous actions. And so the story will pick up with the Meryl War issue one. So one thing really kept me from enjoying the story. Now, again, this is introductory, so it's not really a full issue with regards to the book. It's only about 22 pages with that. Uh, so it's, yeah, it's almost a full issue. But what really, what truly turned me off to really enjoy the story was the art. For some reason, I just could not get with it. And I am not familiar with uh, the work of Carlos Nieto, but I don't know, there's just something about it that just didn't sit right with me. Um, but the story looks like it can it can move the saga forward. Uh, again, the Tiptons have a long history with writing the Mirror Universe. Again, this is the fourth volume of their saga with uh, Picard and the Terran crew as they look to control the universe, whether it be the Terran universe or the Prime universe. So we will see how it goes. Um, it's going to be a little bit difficult for me to truly take in the story uh, simply because of how I don't know. I remember the art from Mirror Broken was by J.K. Woodward, and that was that was pretty damn good. It it was pretty close to the actual characters, whereas the art by Nieto does not. It, it just seems off, and I it's just hard for me to truly appreciate. So we will see how issue one turns out uh, for the Meryl War. And again, this is Star Trek The Next Generation, Meryl War issue zero from IDW. Okay, final 
book of the episode, uh, Infinite Frontier, issue six, the final issue of the miniseries, written by Joshua Williamson, with art by the Monaco. Uh, so now, if we can remember from the previous issue, all of the heroes and villains have arrived at Earth Omega uh, in the ships that they were on, and we come to find out that some who were meant to be heroes are actually in cahoots with Darkseid. Uh, and the goal of getting into this dark alliance with Darkseid is to prevent the crises that have happened throughout the multiverse from continuing to happen. And so the plan for this to occur would be to use Flash to make this fissure into the multiverse that would allow the omniverse to enter and with control of the omniverse uh, Darkseid pretty much guaranteed everyone who served him and, and helped him make this happen uh, would prevent all of the crises from occurring again and so this included uh, Metalhead who was a member of Justice Incarnate. It also included Director Bones, who was on Earth Zero. And uh, one of the things that they identified, especially Metalhead, was that all these things kept happening to the other Earths, whether they were being destroyed, whether all these crises were happening, but no matter what happened, Earth Zero remained safe. And so he basically agreed to these plans by Darkseid because he wanted to protect his home world from going through all of the issues it had gone through in the past because of Earth Prime. And so as we begin issue six, the battle is going on. The heroes and the villains, and the villains is the injustice incarnate that uh, Metalhead was able to put together. They are all battling it out on Earth Omega while Darkseid watches, and he has control over Roy. Uh, who is a Black Lantern. So, you know, he has control over him. Roy's kind of just there watching while he's in chains. And Flash is continuing to run on the cosmic treadmill, opening up this fissure, this crack that would allow the Omniverse to enter and for Darkseid to take control of it. So... As this battle is going on, you know, Darkseid now realizes he he needs Roy to take care of uh, some riffraff. And this riffraff, he is talking about Jade and Obsidian, who is looking to help Roy. And 
uh, as he releases Roy to battle the brother and sister duo. You know, Obsidian takes control. He's like, hey, you know, Roy's trapped in the dark. I know a little bit about that. Let me handle this. And so he does. You know, he goes and he takes Roy and he talks to him about, you know, what being in the dark can do and, and how he can help control it. And as he does this, Roy gets control of himself and he's able to bring himself back from this zombified form that he was in uh, as the ring controlled him. But as the battle is going on, um, it now comes down to uh, Metalhead and Flashpoint Batman. So Metalhead pretty much blames Flashpoint for everything that has happened to his home world. And he has basically vowed that since he can't uh, take out his revenge on the Flashpoint universe, he was going to make Flashpoint Batman uh, feel his wrath for all that Flashpoint has caused him and his world. So he proceeds to beat the hell out of uh, Thomas Wayne and you know Thomas takes it like a trooper that he is and so he's talking and he's saying hey you know I'm in this fight I'm going to continue being in this fight and I'm not doing it for me I am doing it for my family and when he speaks of his family he is speaking of Bruce who's on Earth Zero the son that he nearly killed or he he attempted to take out during City of Bane and you know he now feels you know this is the way that he is going to make it up to him uh, he's gonna fight Metalhead to the death if it need be to protect him and so he realizes that the Bat family back on Earth Zero you know, meaning Bruce and Dick, and he, he names them all. Bruce, Dick, Jason, Tim, Stephanie, Duke, Cass, and his grandson, Damien. You know, he, he's going to he's gonna make it up to them, you know, for what he's done since he's come back. But all of this, and... and, and Thomas is speaking the truth. You know, he really has turned a leaf with regards to everything that occurred through City of Bane. But the other reason why he is babbling as Metalhead uh, quotes it is he's distracting him. And he's distracting him to give President Superman time to recover. And he takes out Metalhead. But now the biggest plan now is to keep this is to keep this crack from opening and to keep the omniverse from making its way into the multiverse. And so to do that, President Superman realizes he needs to stop Barry. He needs to save Barry. And so he proceeds to do that and he heads straight at him. And 
psychopath realizes what's going on and he can't stop it and he knows what's about to happen and so he basically President Superman President Superman flies up towards this crack where Barry is running on the treadmill and by flying into it he basically breaks it and the crack disappears but so does Barry and so now no one knows where Barry is no one knows where this crack is but things seem to be calming down all of those chains from the omniverse that had kind of you know held held the heroes back are all gone uh Roy is no longer a black lantern and you know they think hey we did it, it all is well but Darkseid explains to him that you know they've actually doomed the multiverse because of what they've done and so um he has to figure out a new way in order to get the omniverse back so that he can control it. But in 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 this defeat, you know, Metalhead still says, No, we can fix this. We can find the omniverse. We can we can we can keep this deal and because of his treachery, uh Metalhead is killed. Uh, Darkseid hits him with his Omega Beams and Metalhead dies. And as President Superman proceeds to go after Darkseid, Darkseid again uses his Omega Beams to basically send everyone back to where they were and whence they came. Uh, including the JSA, including the Justice Incarnate, everyone that was on uh, Earth Omega, including President Superman, were all sent back. And so they find themselves back at the hall. Uh, Harbinger has been restored to its true form, um, and things are seemingly back to where they were you know now you know Thomas Wayne is still you know he still looks like crap from getting beat up by Metalhead but it seems like things are somewhat back to normal so uh, we find Roy and, and Chase yeah they are uh, talking about their next steps and what they're gonna do Chase has been given control of the DEO uh, the Justice Society has you know they've returned so that's great we now have the original members of the Justice Society back on Earth but we also that also means we have uh, Power Girl who's back as well uh, so Bones is you know he's back as well and he is uh, sneaking around with Leviathan and you know he's been doing that you know in that miniseries from Brian Michael Bendis but for Roy Roy wants to kind of go back to where it all started and as uh, his story ends you see him standing on the ferry and he's heading towards 
Titan Towers. But the story doesn't end. And back at Earth Mega, uh, Dark Side is there and and he offers the Black Lantern ring to Extract. And if you can remember from the last issue, Extract turned out to be one of the doppelgangers for Cameron Chase. So he offers her the Black Lantern ring as long as she vows to serve him and not to fail where Psycho Pirate did. And she says yes, but she questions why Darkseid let the other heroes go instead of disposing of them. But he explains to her that something's coming and that the heroes of the multiverse, each person, have a role to play in what's to come and that he's not the only one that is looking to take control of the omniverse and so this darkness is coming and you know with this darkness he has to he has in the end he has to control the omniverse and he plans on doing just that so as uh, he goes off to plan his next move we go into the epilogue and in the epilogue, we find Barry, and he's still running. You know, he knows he has to save someone, but he doesn't know who. And he finally realizes that he's been manipulated by Psycho Pirate. And so he says, well, I have got to get back to, uh, to warn the Justice Incarnate about what's going on. But, you know, in order to do that, he has to stop running first. And... As he stops running, he finds himself trapped on another earth. And the earth that he finds himself is within the multiverse 2. And he finds himself there with, of all people, Pariah. And, uh, you know, we haven't seen Pariah in a while. And, you know, Pariah basically says, hey... You know, it's time for the real multiverse to truly live. And he reaches out and he touches Barry. And Barry finds himself transformed. And we now see that uh, he is sitting at the table in the form of basically Silver Age Flash. And you see him sitting at the table with Jay Garrett and with Wally in his kit flash uniform and you know with this uh, the story ends you know with uh, Barry back on Earth One as uh, Earth One Flash and so the story will be continued sometime in 2022 so let me just say this this is a story and i mean the entire mini of infinite frontier that definitely needs to be read as one piece i think you will get a much better appreciation of it if you read it together so i plan on doing that now that it's over you know again i read each issue single singularly but you I'm going to read it all together now just to get a better appreciation of it. But 
I like where Joshua Williamson is going uh, with regards to the multiverse. And I, I was definitely uh, taken back at the end with the return of Pariah and the return of Earth One. Uh, and it seems like we're going to have some Silver Age fun in 2022 once uh, we get the the follow-up to Infinite Frontier. But I guess we will be leading up to that in the pages of uh, Justice Incarnate, uh, which is scheduled to be coming out soon. But uh, finally, just a little bit on the art. Definitely a fan of the art. The art and the colors were just phenomenal. Um, I cannot remember if Demonico was the artist for each of the other five issues, other previous five issues, but the work done here were pretty damn good. I definitely enjoyed the work that was done. The color palette from Rulo Fajardo, uh, pretty vibrant, you know, even and, and dark where it needed to be with regards to being in those parts of the, including those parts on Earth Omega uh, where the battle was going and where things needed to be dark. Uh, you know, the the colors pretty much played their, their part in showing that darkness, but this art was pretty good and I will definitely look forward to seeing what's next and I'm also looking to see what's next with some of the characters again you know the Justice Society has finally returned you know they haven't been around in quite a while uh, but now they're back and we're gonna see what happens with them and you know more than anything I am happy to see Power Girl is back so hopefully you know we get to see a lot more of her you know she was a fan favorite uh, pre-new pre 52 so now she has returned uh, but I'm also looking to see what happens next with Roy you know if we can remember you know Roy died and it took a lot out of those who loved him uh, particularly Donna uh, and so now we see that he's back and so we now get to see the repercussions of his return you know when will he make himself known to Donna you know how long will it take to find his daughter you know will he somehow reconcile with his ex his daughter's mother Cheshire so we don't know but I am I am on board to see what happens to our favorite arrow sidekick and uh see Roy back in costume hopefully one day but that is Infinite Frontier number six from DC Comics so that is going to do it for this episode of the Comic Ben comic book podcast as always I want to thank you all for tuning in and listening and for supporting the show Next time, next time I am going to be sitting down with Source Point Press writer Jason Douglas. And we're going to be talking about his graphic novel, his Ringo Award nominated graphic novel, Parallel. Uh, so be sure to tune in to that when the episode is released.
least. But again, as always, thank you for tuning in. And as always, you can get the latest in your comic news and reviews over at the website, grandadmiral.net. You can also follow us on social media. We can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. This has been the Comic Band Comic Book Podcast. I am your host, Theo. And until our next episode, keep reading those comics.